We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the third piece in Hilchos Bias HaMikdash. This is Perak Gimel Halacha Chaf Aleph. And the issue that the Rambam is discussing is the prohibition for someone who's Tameh, who's impure, to be in the Beis HaMikdash or to enter the Beis HaMikdash. And Rab Chaim is going to try to more precisely define what the nature of each of those elements of the prohibition is, specifically because there's a shiur, there's a minimum measurement of time that a person has to be in the Beis HaMikdash in order to violate that prohibition. So Rab Chaim is going to explain how it plays out differently in the case where he walked into the Beis HaMikdash versus when he's already in there. The Rambam writes, whether someone who's impure walked into the Beis HaMikdash or someone who was pure who entered the Beis HaMikdash and then became Tame after they were already inside the Beis HaMikdash. Even if he intentionally made himself impure in the Beis HaMikdash, so this was not an accidental situation, but he purposely made himself Tame. He should get out of the Beis HaMikdash as soon as he possibly can, because so long as he hasn't been there, the minimum Shi'or, he hasn't violated the prohibition. But if he does wait, so now he has violated the prohibition, then he gets the ultimate punishment of Kares, of being cut off. If it was accidental, then maybe Karban, he has to bring a sacrifice. In general, there's a group of prohibitions that if someone does them purposefully, they get Kares, their soul gets cut off, and if they do them accidentally, they bring a carbon. So this is one of them. But in all cases, he does not violate this prohibition unless he waited around in the Beis HaMikdash the amount of time of the minimum shear so that he violated the prohibition. Now, the source for this halacha in the Rambam is in Shavuos, Daf Yud Zayin. The Gemara quotes Rav Ashi's question, Time atzmo b'mezid, let's say someone was standing in the Beis HaMikdash and they intentionally made themselves tamei. So do they have to wait around for the shiur? Be'ones g'miri shihia b'mezid lo g'miri shihia. Is the whole halacha of the waiting, the minimum amount, only in cases of ones, where it was an accident, but not in a case where he did it intentionally. Odelma b'fnim g'miri shihia lo shna be'ones v'lo shna b'mezid. Or the halacha of waiting, that minimum shiur applies to anyone who's tamei in the Beis HaMikdash. It doesn't matter whether it was accidental or intentional. So the Gemara doesn't answer that question. So it remains a suffix. We're not sure what to do in that situation. Therefore, the Rambam says that because of the suffix, he doesn't bring a carbon unless he waited the shear. Because if it was less than the shear, that's when the Gemara has a suffix. And we don't want someone to potentially bring an animal to the Beis HaMikdash, which is not a true carbon. So he can only bring the carbon for doing this sin if it's clear beyond a shadow of a doubt that he violated the sin. So that's only if he waits the amount of time of the shear. Now, Rab Chaim points out that the Rambam in this halacha, in Hilchus Bias Bikdash, Perik Gimel, does not say that this whole halacha is based on the idea that it's a suffix. He seems to say that it's a clear-cut halacha, not an erring on the side of caution halacha. But the Rambam in Hilchus now our Rab Chaim says in the 14th chapter, but that's a typo and Rab Chatzkel Abramsky amended it, it should say the 11th chapter of Hilchus Shkagos. It's in the 11th chapter, Halacha 4, and there the Rambam states explicitly that less than the shear is a suffix, that's why he doesn't bring a carbon until he waits the full amount of the shear, so then it's clear cut that he's obligated in a carbon. 
Now, Tosvos has a question from the Gemara in Nazir and Daf Zayin, which has a similar question. Rava asked in the case of a Nazir, so a Nazir is also prohibited to become Tameh, like it's prohibited to be Tameh in the Beis Mikdash. So the Gemara asks a similar question. Let's say a Nazir is standing in a cemetery. Does he need to be there for the minimum shiur amount of time in order to get punished or not? But then the Gemara adds something. It says, what's the case that Rava's asking about? If it's talking about a regular guy who's standing in a cemetery and he wants to become a Nazir at that moment, and the witnesses say to him, don't become a Nazir because you're immediately going to violate the prohibition of a Nazir becoming Tamei. So the Gemara says, Lamali Shahia, why does he need to wait at all? Nazir my boy Shahia, why does a regular Nazir who walks into a cemetery get punished immediately and he doesn't need to wait any minimum measurement? Mishum de Kamasri Bey, because he has Hasra, he was warned that what he's about to do is a prohibition. So since he knew that what he was doing was wrong, he gets punished immediately. Hachanami Kamasri Bey, so in this case also, as soon as they tell him, if you become a Nazir, you're going to immediately violate the prohibition so he was warned so he should be punished immediately so why does there need to be any wait time so you see clearly from this Gemara that anyone who has hasra, meaning they intentionally violate something that they were warned not to do gets punished immediately they don't need to wait at all so now back to Tosos's question, why does the Gemara in Shavuos say that someone who's standing in the Beis HaMikdash and is warned not to become Tameh and they choose to become Tameh intentionally has to wait before they're punished, they should be punished immediately the same as the Gemara in Nazir says that a Nazir who's warned and then intentionally becomes impure gets punished immediately without waiting at all. So because of this question, Tosvos throughout that page on Shavuos Yedzayin Amad Aleph learns that the case in the Gemara in Shavuos is limited only to a case where the person became impure without a warning beforehand. And the warning only came after they were already Tameh. So that's why they need a wait time in order to violate this prohibition. So according to Tosos, the two Gemaras are consistent. Both of them agree that in all cases, if someone was warned before becoming Tameh, and then they intentionally became Tameh, they don't need a wait time. But the case in the Gemara in Shavuos is where they were not warned beforehand. So after they were Tameh, they were warned, and that's why there needs to be a wait time. But Rab Chaim points out that the Rambam cannot agree with this approach because the Rambam in his halacha included two different punishments. One is the case of the Karban, so that's for a Shogeg, someone who accidentally became Tameh. But the other was Kares, being cut off, which is the punishment for someone who intentionally becomes Tameh. But this is the key factor, it doesn't require hasra. Hasra is needed when the human court is going to do the punishment. But Kares is at the hands of the heavenly court, so it doesn't require Hasra beforehand. So the case of Kares is an intentional punishment, which doesn't need Hasra. And according to Tosvos' rules, there should be no wait time either. So the fact that the Rambam rules that in order to get Kares, there needs to be a wait time indicates that the Rambam holds even someone who became impure intentionally does require the wait 
wait time in order to be punished, and it doesn't matter whether the hasra was before or after. So the Rambam would seem to hold, unlike Tosvos, that even if they were warned beforehand and then they intentionally became Tamei, they still need the wait time in order to be punished. Now, Rab Chaim found something very interesting in the Rambam Hilchus Nazir Perek Vav Halacha Ches. Mishin Nadar Kvaros. The Rambam deals with this case of a regular guy who's standing in a cemetery and becomes a Nazir while he's standing in the cemetery. So the Rambam writes that he becomes a Nazir, but all the time that he remains in the cemetery doesn't count towards his days of Nazirus. And then with regards to the punishment, the Rambam rules the loka al shehiyasosham, that he gets punished if he waits. So again, in this case, the Rambam rules that it needs a wait time in order to be punished. And then the Rambam says, if they warned him beforehand not to become a Nazir, and then he rules about that. So the Rambam seems to rule clearly that even with regards to Nazirus, if a regular guy is standing in a cemetery and they warn him not to become a Nazir, and he still becomes a Nazir, he doesn't get punished until there's a wait time. So that's fully consistent with his halacha in Hilchus Bias HaMikdash. The Rambam holds that in all cases, it doesn't matter if they were warned before or not, and if they intentionally became Tamei, they don't get punished unless there was a wait time. And that's consistent both for the Beis HaMikdash and for a Nazir in a cemetery. So the Rambam is internally consistent in both of these cases, but the problem is that he goes against the Gemara and Nazir because the Gemara and Nazir says that if he was warned and then intentionally became a Nazir, he gets punished immediately. He doesn't need a wait time. So the Rambam is literally contradicting an explicit Gemara. Now the Ravid picks up on this and he adds in to that halacha in the Rambam in Hilchus Nazirus, Vim that if this person was warned beforehand not to become a Nazir, then he gets punished even without a wait time. So the Ravid is faithfully reflecting what our Gemara explicitly says and he's pointing out that it seems to go against Against what the Rambam's saying. So the way Rab Chaim explains the Rambam is that the Rambam doesn't disagree, of course, with the Ravid's point, which is an explicit Gemara. The Rambam also agrees that if a regular guy was standing there and was warned not to become a Nazir, and then he intentionally became a Nazir, he gets punished immediately, even without a wait time. But there's a second case that the Rambam's talking about. And that's the case where he's warned not to become a Nazir after he already became a Nazir. So here the equation is reversed a little bit. First, he became a Nazir, and then they warned him that becoming a Nazir, he's in a Tameh place and he's going to get punished. So there, the Rambam says that it requires a wait time, which is in agreement with Tosvos' distinction too. Tosvos also said that if the warning was before he became a Nazir, he would get punished, but after he became a Nazir, then he requires the wait time. So that's exactly what the Ravid is pointing out. He's not disagreeing with the Rambam, but he's pointing out that the Rambam's halacha, which says that the Nazir only gets punished after the wait time, is only talking about when he was warned about this after he already became a Nazir. But in the case where he was warned before he became a Nazir, so then the Ravid, the Rambam, and Tosvos, everyone would agree, as the Gemara says, that he gets punished immediately, even before he waits there at all. So now this explains the Rambam's position with regards to the Gemara and Nazir, but now we're back to a question on our Rambam in Hilchus Bias Mikdash. Why should someone not get kares unless they wait around the minimum shior? Kares doesn't require any warning. 
So as soon as someone intentionally becomes Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash, they should immediately get Kares without any wait time at all. So we're still back to the original question, why does the Rambam seem to disagree with the way Tosos and the Raivid present this Halacha? The Rambam seems to hold that even in a case where someone sinned intentionally and they don't require Hasra, they still require a wait time. So Rab Chaim says that the Rambam has a different answer to the contradiction between the Gemara in Shavuos and Nazir, different than Tosus' solution. The Rambam read the Gemara in Shavuos very carefully, and the Gemara there has two possibilities. Either the whole concept of a wait time only applies to cases of onus, a mistake, but it doesn't apply to Mezid, where it was intentional, or the other option is that it only applies inside the Beis HaMikdash, it doesn't apply outside the Beis HaMikdash. But what's clear from this Gemara is that in cases that are outside the Beis HaMikdash, which are intentional, then there's certainly no wait time. So that's the Rambam's distinction between the case of the Beis HaMikdash versus the Nazir, because in the case of the Beis HaMikdash, there's always a suffix. No matter how you slice the case, there's going to be a potential reason why you need a wait time, because since this case happened inside the Beis HaMikdash, So there's always an approach which is going to say that they don't get punished unless there's a wait time. So that's why, because of the suffix, the Rambam rules that in all cases involving the Beis HaMikdash, unless there's a wait time, there's no punishment, even if it's kares. Even though the kares is the best case for getting punished because they don't need a warning and it's intentional, but still the fact that it took place inside the Beis HaMikdash means that there's a suffix and we can't say for sure that they get punished with kares unless they had the wait time. But in the case of an intentional nazir, that's the one case where it's crystal clear that of course they get punished without the wait time because it's outside the Beis HaMikdash and it's purposeful, and they were warned. So that's where the Rambam, based on the Gemara in Nazir, rules explicitly that you don't need a wait time, because in that case, it's clear that there's punishment even without any wait time, because it checks off all the boxes of being outside the Beis HaMikdash, being intentional, and having a warning. So that's why the Gemaras don't contradict each other, because the Gemara in Shavuos is asking some very broad questions. Do we apply the wait time in all cases in the Beis HaMikdash? or not. Whereas the Gemara Nazir is dealing with the case of someone who's in a cemetery, so it's by definition outside the Beis HaMikdash, so there we can say with certainty, if they intentionally sinned after they were warned, then they certainly get punished without any wait time. So this all makes sense of how the Rambam fits into the Gemaras, and the distinction that Rab Chaim's making between the case of the Nazir and the person in the Beis HaMikdash is a technical one based on the various doubts that the Gemara raises in the case of the Beis HaMikdash. So because the Rambam errs on the side of caution, that's why there ends up being a difference between those two cases. But now in the second paragraph, Rab Chaim moves on to a conceptual distinction between these two cases. And this is based on the Gemara in Shavuist Hazayin Amid Beis. The Gemara asks, How do we even know that someone who is Tahor, who's standing in the Beis HaMikdash and becomes Tamei, violates this prohibition? So the Gemara answers, Rab Lezer said, there's two Psukim, one is Es Mishkan Hashem Tamei, and the other is Ki Es Mikdash Hashem Tamei. Both of them 
them seem to say the same thing, that it's prohibited to be Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash. So, If we don't need it for the case of someone who was already Tameh, who walked into the Beis HaMikdash, so then the other Pasuk is adding the case of someone who was Tahor and became Tameh inside the Beis HaMikdash. So Rab Chaim points out that means that we need two different Pesukim to teach us two aspects of this prohibition. One is someone who was Tameh and then walked into the Beis HaMikdash. And the other aspect of this prohibition, which cannot be derived from the first aspect, is the case of someone Tahor who was standing in the Beis HaMikdash and then became Tameh. So those are two fundamentally different types of violations. It's not just two different cases within the same violation, but there's a fundamental distinction between them. So that fundamental distinction, Rab Chaim explains, is because we could ask a very basic question. What is the prohibition of a Tameh person entering the Beis HaMikdash? Is it on the moment of entry, so the act of entering the Beis HaMikdash while Tameh is prohibited? Or is it on being in the Beis HaMikdash while Tameh? So it's the aspect of being in the Beis HaMikdash, which is the prohibition. So Rab Chaim revisits a point that he made at the end of the first piece in Hilchus Bias Mikdash, and that is based on a Gemara in Shavuos, Daf Yudzayin The Gemara is talking about a case of someone who walked into a Mitzorah house, so they become Tameh, but that's only if they walk in in a normal way. So it has to be a normal entry in order for them to become Tameh, because the Torah describes it as Vahabba El Habayis, the person who comes into the house. So that only refers to a normal entry. But if they walk in backwards, so that's an unusual entry, so then the Gemara says that they're still Tahor if one part of their body, even the tip of their nose, remains outside. But if they fully enter the Mitzorah house, even though they entered in an unusual way, so then again they would become Tameh. The Gemara asks why. They didn't have an entry. So the Gemara says, Amarava kulo logara mikelim shibabayis. Then they're no less than the vessels which were already in the house before it became Tameh. So those vessels had no entry, but they still become Tameh. The Torah says, That anything that's in the house becomes Tameh. So there's two ways of becoming Tameh in the Mitzorah house, either through the entry or even if there was no entry, by being fully in the house, that's another way of becoming Tameh. And these are two fundamentally different processes by which someone becomes Tameh with different halachas. So if there's an entry, then the person only needs to go a majority of the way in and they already become Tameh, but they don't need to fully enter. As opposed to if they're becoming Tameh by being in the house, but there was no entry, so then they need to be fully 100% in the house, just the majority of them being in the house is not going to make them Tameh. And in addition, we see from this Gemara that the whole issue of whether something depends on the action of entering or not depends on how the Torah formulated it. So if the Torah makes it contingent on derech bia, that they have to go in, then it doesn't help to be in there. There needs to be the action of entering. Whereas if the Torah says that it doesn't depend on going in, it just depends on being there, then it doesn't matter how they get in there so long as they're in that place, then the halacha will apply. So this Gemara very clearly articulates the two different processes of entering and that being the determining factor versus being in there and that being the determining factor.
So now coming back to the prohibition of a Tame being in the Beis HaMikdash, we need to know how did the Torah formulate that prohibition. So the Gemara in Shavuos Yedzayin Amud says that someone who's Tame, who enters the Beis HaMikdash in an unusual way, so they come in through the roof, they're putter, they don't get punished. And the reason is because the way the Torah formulated this prohibition is Vela Mikdash Lo Savo. It uses that word don't come in, which means Derech Bia, that only if they come in with the proper entry would they be punished. Otherwise, they're exempt. So we see very clearly from this Gemara that the general prohibition of a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash requires the process of entry, but just being in the Beis HaMikdash is not going to violate this prohibition. So that's exactly why the other Gemara in Shavuos Tazayin Amud Beis has to have a second Pasuk to teach us that someone Tahor who becomes Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash also violates this prohibition because there was no entry in that case. They were already standing in the Beis HaMikdash when they became Tameh. So we can't learn out that they also violated the prohibition from the usual case where a Tameh person enters the Beis HaMikdash because there there was an entry. And in this case of the person becoming Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash, there was no entry. So that's why we have a second Pasuk to tell us that just as in the case of the Tsaras house, there's two identical processes, either walking in or being there already. So too in the case of the Beis HaMikdash, there's two processes, either walking in or already being inside and then becoming Tameh. So both of those are a violation of this prohibition. So now coming back to the original distinction between the case of the Nazir and the case of the Beis HaMikdash, now Reb Chaim says a very sharp distinction. Because when it comes to the Nazir, there's no formulation in the Torah of Derech Bia, that it has to be that the Nazir walks into the cemetery a certain way. Meaning the whole prohibition of Nazir is fundamentally different from the prohibition of a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash. And this major conceptual distinction between these two cases is going to explain why the Rambam holds that in the case of the Beis HaMikdash, there's always a wait time before there can be a punishment. Whereas in the case of the Nazir, there doesn't need to be a wait time. So the explanation is, and here Rab Chaim does what he does best, which is dissect every element of this halacha and show how the details follow from the overall conception of it. So if we go through the case of a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash, there's two ways that that prohibition could happen. Either they walk in, but then there's a totally separate process that the Tameh person is in the Beis HaMikdash. But in that case, the whole essence of the violation is the wait time. So the Rambam holds that it's not possible for someone who became Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash to ever get punished if they're missing the wait time because then they're missing the whole essential basis of the prohibition. The whole prohibition is the wait time. They're not getting punished for entering because as we said, this is a totally different process. There is another way of violating this prohibition which involves walking into the Beis HaMikdash but if someone was already in the Beis HaMikdash and then became Tameh, so they obviously don't have that entry. And the only reason they would get punished is if they have the wait time. That's the essence of the second model of violating this prohibition. But the case of the Nazir is totally different because here there is no concept of Derech Bia. The Torah never said that there has to be an entry. In fact, it's almost the opposite. The Gemara Nazir Mem Gimel says that the classic case of a Nazir violating this prohibition 
prohibition is when he's brought into the cemetery in a shade of table migdal, in a box or some sort of container. So that's, of course, a very unusual form of entry. And that's the classic case where the Nazir violates this prohibition. Whereas the Rambam in Hilchus Bias Mikdash Parak Gimel explicitly says that the equivalent case where a Tameh enters the Beis Mikdash in a box or a container would not be a violation of this prohibition because they never entered properly. Or the other classic case for a Nazir violating this prohibition is if he's sitting in a house and then a person died in there. Which again, as Rab Chaim showed from the Gemara and Shavuos, that's not considered a proper entry. So it's very clear from these sources that there's a fundamental difference between the case of the Nazir versus the Tameh and the Beis HaMikdash, that the Torah never formulated the prohibition of a Nazir as Derech Bia, that there has to be an entry. It's irrelevant how the Nazir got there, or for that matter, how long he's been there. So long as the Nazir is in a place of Tumah, he immediately violates the prohibition and gets punished. But that's very different from the case of a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash, where he needs one of two options, either to enter properly, or if there was no entry, at least there needs to be the wait time, which is the essence of the other way of violating that prohibition. So this is a very core distinction between these two prohibitions, and it explains why the Rambam holds that there's no concept of a wait time in the case of the Nazir. Because since that halacha is formulated so differently by the Torah, so there's no need for a wait time in any case. Just like there's no need for a proper entry, it also is irrelevant how long he's been there. As soon as the Nazir is in a place, which is Tameh, he immediately violates the prohibition because that's how the prohibition is formulated. That the Nazir simply being in a place of Tumah is a violation, as opposed to a Tameh in the Beis Mikdash, where it needs something extra, either a proper entry or a proper wait time. So this is Rab Chaim's very sharp conceptual distinction between these two cases. Again, he's drawing a distinction between how the Torah formulates these two prohibitions. And in the case of the Tameh and the Beis HaMikdash, it requires something more than the Nazir in the cemetery. And that's why the Rambam mentions nothing about a wait time with regards to the case of a Nazir in a cemetery. But, says Rab Chaim, this is a very nice idea, but the Gemara in Nazir and Shavuos seems to contradict it because the Gemara does raise the possibility of there being a wait time even for a Nazir. So how could the Gemara ever entertain any idea of a wait time for a Nazir when Rab Chaim just showed that the whole foundation of the prohibition of Nazir doesn't ever require a wait time? So this is a big problem with his approach. So in order to answer this in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim has to add to his approach. And the way he gets there is by another question that Tosvos and Shavuos asks. The Gemara in Nazir Membez says that mm-hmm. Let's say a Nazir is currently tame, So he's touching a dead body and then he touches another dead body. So that's not an additional prohibition. He hasn't added anything to the fact that he's already tame at that moment. So Tosos asks a very strong question. How could we say that there's a wait time for a Nazir? Because the fact that he's standing in the cemetery longer is not going to add anything to his prohibition because he's already prohibited from the first moment that he walked in there. So waiting around longer is just like adding more Tumah onto the current Tumah, which as we just said, doesn't make a difference for a Nazir. So how is it possible to say that a Nazir has a wait time when it's not going to add anything to what he's already Tameh from the first moment? 
So Tosvos answers that the whole leniency that a Nazir doesn't get punished for added Tumah is only when he's unable to break free from the original Tumah. So he's stuck to the first source of Tumah and then he adds another one so that's not an additional prohibition. But if he's able to walk out of the cemetery so he could leave the first Tumah and he chooses not to so then each additional moment is going to be an added level of Tumah. So that's why in the case of the Nazir in the cemetery the wait time will be significant because the more he waits there voluntarily and chooses not to leave, the more tumma that adds to him. But Rab Chaim asks a very good question on Tosus's approach because the Gemara Nazir there later on in Mim Gimel Amid Aleph writes that there's no way for a Nazir to violate the prohibition of entering a home with a dead body there because as soon as a small part of him enters that room, he already becomes Tamei. And then a few seconds later, by the time the rest of him fully enters the room, it's like the case where he's connected to the one dead body and he touches another dead body. So the Gemara itself says that in that case, we apply the rule that there's no added Tumah, even though that's a case where he could have turned around. So he's voluntarily choosing to continue walking into this room. And still the Gemara applies the leniency that since he's already Tameh, he can't have an added Tumah. And says Rab Chaim, even if you're going to counter that at the moment when a majority of the Nazir entered the room, he wasn't able to turn around. But still, after he was in there for a few seconds, so he did have the choice to turn around, then he should violate the prohibition against walking into a room with a dead body because he chose not to exit in those few seconds. So it seems clear from this Gemara that even though the Nazir could have left at any time, he still doesn't get punished for having entered the room with the dead body because he was already Tameh from the first moment. So if so, we're back to Tosus's question. Why does the Nazir waiting in the cemetery get punished? Even though he could have left, but the fact that he was already Tameh from the first second means that he never added any Tumah. So Rab Chaim says that for Tosos, we must say a technical answer, that Tosos holds that that Gemara follows the other view that Mechulal Omeid, if a Nazir is already Tameh, even if he's no longer touching the original Tumah, he still doesn't add any Tumah to him. So that Gemara is based on an even greater leniency, which is that the Nazir doesn't need to still be connected to the first Tumah. So long as he's Tameh at all, he can't add any Tumah. So that's why once the Nazir becomes Tameh, when a small part of him enters the room with the dead body, him entering fully is not going to make any difference, even if he was able to turn around. But the case of the cemetery follows the more stringent view that the Nazir is only exempt if he's still connected to the original Tumah. But once he stops touching the original Tumah, he could add Tumah, even though he's still Tameh overall. So that's why in the case of the cemetery, if he's voluntarily able to leave and chooses not to, according to Tosfos, he would get punished once the wait time is over. So that's how Rab Chaim makes sense of Tosfos with these various Gemaras. But that approach is not going to work in the Rambam because the Rambam rules like both of these halachas. So in Hilchus Nazir Perak Hay, he rules like the stringency that the Nazir is only exempt from additional Tumah so long as he's touching the original Tumah. But once he stops touching the original Tumah, so then he would get punished for additional Tumah. But the Rambam also rules like the Gemara that a 
Nazir who walks into a room with a dead body doesn't get punished for having entered that room unless he goes in in one of the ways the Gemara comes up with where everything goes in at once. But if he walks in in the standard way where a small part of him enters first and then the rest of his body, so the Rambam holds that he would not be punished in that case for entering the room. But the question is why not? As Tosfo said, if he could voluntarily leave, then he does get punished for additional Toma. So why does the Rambam hold in that case that he doesn't get punished? So it must be that the Rambam rejects the distinction of Tosvos between whether the Nazir could voluntarily stop touching the original Toma. So even if the Nazir could have voluntarily left, the Rambam holds that he's still exempt. But then we're back to the original question of Tosvos, which is what does it matter if there's a wait time for the Nazir in the cemetery? Because from the first moment he went in there, he was already Tameh. So what does waiting around change anything? It doesn't add any Tumah to the original Tumah. So how does the Rambam explain this whole concept of a wait time with regards to a Nazir who is already Tameh from his first moment? And the Rambam holds that there's no additional Tumah after that. So here, in order to explain the Rambam, Reb Chaim comes to his key conceptual point of this piece, which is that unlike Tosvos, who had a more technical distinction between whether the Nazir could stop touching the original Tumah or not, the Rambam has a fundamental conceptual distinction between the case of Mechulal Omed, a Nazir who's touching something Tameh, versus the case of Shehiyah. The Rambam holds that since the waiting is the essence of the violation, so that can't be considered Mechulal Omed. Mechulal Omed means that he touched the Tumah, now he's already Tameh, and anything after that is going to be additional to the original Tumah. It's a second Tumah on top of the first Tumah. But the whole concept of Shehiyah is that the timeline, the wait time, is built into the very prohibition itself. So you can't compare that to Mechul al omed because the first prohibition never ended. This is how Rab Chaim says it. In the case of a Tameh entering the Beis HaMikdash, where the whole Halacha is formulated that the Shehiyah, the waiting, is part of the prohibition. He violates this prohibition through waiting. Waiting. So the waiting is part and parcel of the prohibition. So you can't apply the criteria of Mechulal Omed to that case. Because the whole prohibition is that he's standing in the Beis Mikdash while he's Tameh. So you can't undermine the whole halacha by saying that he's a mechulal va'omed. So anytime he waits the amount of time, even though technically it's considered a mechulal va'omed because he was already tamay to begin with, but since he violated the shehiyah, so now he's violated the prohibition. As opposed to Tumah, the Lespa Dina Shehiyah. In the case of the Nazir entering the room with the dead body, so that's not based on Shehiyah at all. So there we would apply the Halacha of Mechulal Omed that he doesn't get punished for that entry, even if he waited the Shior, because as soon as a little bit of him walked in, he already was Tameh, and when the rest of him went in, it was just adding Tumah, which is exempt. So that's the explanation for the Rambam's distinction between these various cases. It depends if the Halacha formulated the concept of Shehiyah, then that overrides the Mechulal Omed factor. 
But if there is no shehiya, so then mechul al means that you can't add additional tumah onto the first one. But shehiya is an exception to the overall concept of mechul al And Rab Chaim proves this distinction from the Rambam himself who draws it in a few halachas. The Rambam in Hilchus Nazir, Parakei Halacha Yotes, is discussing the case of a Nazir who entered a room with a dead body or a cemetery. And the Rambam says that if it was accidental, va'achar shinodolo hesrubo, and then after he realized that they warned him and he still chose not to leave but he waited around the proper shear so he had shahia then he would get punished the rambam draws a parallel between the case of a nazir who entered a cemetery or a room with a dead body and the case of a tame who entered the base mikdash that in both cases they won't get punished unless they had the wait time but earlier in Halacha Yud Zayin, in the case of the Nazir who was touching one dead body and then touched another dead body, so there the Rambam ruled, Eino Achas, he does not get punished for a second Tumah, even though they had warned him because he was Mechulal Ve'omet. So the Rambam himself draws this distinction between the cases of the Nazir in the cemetery or walking into the room of the dead body versus where he's touching one body and he touches another body in addition. And the Rambam draws the same distinction regarding a Kohen in Avelos Gimel Dalet. And again, he says this case that if a Kohen walked into a cemetery or a room with a dead body and then he found out and then they warned him and he still chose not to leave, so he gets punished if he waited around like a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash requires the wait time in order to be punished. And then the Rambam mentions the other case that if he was touching one dead body and touched another dead body in addition or a variation of that if he was standing in the cemetery and was touching dead body. So even though they warned him, he does not get additional punishments because he's mechulal the omed because he was touching the first body. So the Rambam makes this clear distinction between the case of shehia versus the case of mechulal the omed. Even though in general we would say that standing in a cemetery or touching a body is considered mechulal the omed, even though he could voluntarily leave. So the Rambam does not make Tosus's distinction and doesn't believe in it. In all cases, it's considered mechulal the omed. But still, in cases where it's required to have shahia in order to get punished, so there the Rambam holds we don't apply mechulal omed based on Rab Chaim's concept that shahia is an exception to mechulal omed because it's built into the whole halacha that shahia is the way to violate this prohibition. So you can't argue that the shahia is not adding anything because he was already tame from the first moment. That is the way to violate the prohibition. Now, in the parentheses, Rab Chaim deals with a tangential question on his interpretation of the Rambam, because the Rambam in that chapter in Hilch Savelus, Paragimel, indicates that the only prohibition for a Kohen to enter a room with a dead body or to enter a cemetery only applies to a Kohen Gadol. There is a prohibition for all Kohanim to become Tameh to dead bodies, except for the exceptional permitted cases. But in general, whether a Kohen Gadol or a regular Kohen is prohibited to become Tameh to a dead body. But that's a prohibition of Tumah. The prohibition of entering the room with the dead body only seems to apply to a Kohen Gadol. The Rambam makes no mention about it with a Kohen Hedyo. So if that's so, it would undermine Rab Chaim's whole approach because it's clear that this whole concept of Shehiyah is related to the prohibition of entering a room with a dead body or a cemetery. But it's not related to the generic prohibition of not becoming Tameh to dead bodies. 
So if the Rambam holds that the prohibition of entering only applies to a Kohen Gadol, not to a regular Kohen, then that's going to undermine Rab Chaim's whole idea that Shehia is built into the violation. Because in the Halacha where the Rambam discusses Shehia, it's clear that he's talking about not only the Kohen Gadol, but all Kohanim. So how could a regular Kohen have the concept of Shehia if he's not included in the prohibition of entering a room with a dead body? So Rab Chaim reverses himself on this point and he says that the fact that the Rambam applies the concept of Shehia to all Kohanim must mean that in fact the Rambam does hold that there's a prohibition of entering for all Kohanim. And in fact, that's explicitly in the Torah's Kohanim in Parshas Emor, the Medrash asks this question, that the Torah only said explicitly that a Kohen Gadol is Chayiv in Lo Yavo and Chayiv in Lo Yitamei, that the Kohen Gadol is prohibited both in entering and in becoming Tamei. How do we know that a regular Kohen, that all Kohanim are included in both violations, not only can they not become Tamei, but they also can't enter. So the Medrash answers, There's a Gzera Shava, the same phrase is used both with regards to the Kohen Gadol and with regards to regular Kohanim. So just as the Kohen Gadol includes a prohibition of Lo Yavo on entering, so too all Kohanim are included in that prohibition. So we have an explicit medrash that does extend the prohibition of Lo Yavo from the Kohen Gadol also to the Kohen Hedyot. And the Rambam is also going to hold like that. So that's exactly why he extends the concept of Shehiyah to all Kohanim because the Kohen Hedyot is also prohibited in the entering and Shehiyah is part of the prohibition on entering. So if so, why does the Rambam not mention this prohibition with regards to the Kohen Hedyot? In fact, he says it only applies to the Kohen Gadol. So Rabbi Chaim explains that's just a matter of who gets punished. The Rambam holds that even though the prohibition applies equally to all Kohanim, only the Kohen Gadol is going to get punished for it. And the reason is because the Torah explicitly wrote two prohibitions for the Kohen Gadol, both Lo Yavo and Lo Yitame. So if the Kohen Gadol enters the cemetery, he gets punished, he gets lashes for both of those prohibitions. But the regular Kohen is only derived from the Medrash. So according to the Rambam, both prohibitions are included in the one prohibition that the Torah explicitly said of Lo Yitame. So even though practically the regular Kohen is included in both of those prohibitions, not only can he not become Tame, but he also can't enter the cemetery. But in terms of the punishments, we follow the explicit prohibitions of the Torah and since the Medrash learned both of them out from the same prohibition, so he only gets punished one time. The Kohen Gadol, on the other hand, gets punished two times. So according to Rab Chaim, the prohibition of Lo Yavo applies to all Kohanim, and that's why the Rambam applied the Halacha of Shehiyah to all Kohanim, because it's connected to the prohibition of Lo Yavo. So now Rab Chaim continues, and based on this idea that he's developed in the Rambam, that Shehiyah is an exception to the concept of Mechulal Omed, so now he returns to his original question from the beginning of this paragraph, which was that Rab Chaim argued that the concept of Shehiyah doesn't apply at all to An-Nazir because he doesn't need an entry. There's no specific way in which the Nazir violates the prohibition. Anytime he's in a cemetery, it automatically violates this prohibition. So he doesn't need a wait time. As opposed to entering the Beis HaMikdash, which has more specific rules, so one of them is that it needs a wait time. 
But the problem was that the Gemara does apply the concept of Shehiyah also to An-Nazir. So based on his whole theory, says Rab Chaim, the answer is going to be that it's true. An-Nazir does not need to wait the amount of time in order to violate the prohibition. Because the Torah never formulated specific rules about how and when the Nazir violates the prohibition. Anytime he's in a cemetery, he automatically violates the prohibition. But the concept of Shehiyah is more than just a specific detail in when the violation occurs. It's also an intrinsic concept to the whole halachic idea of entering a place. Because as Rab Chaim's been saying throughout, entering a place is limited by the mechulal, the omed limitation. Because when someone enters somewhere tameh, so at first a small part of them becomes tameh, and then only later the rest of them becomes tameh. So that's considered mechulal, the omed, which undermines the whole entry from a halachic standpoint, because we don't see this as an entry which made him tameh, since he was already tameh by the time he entered. So the solution to that limitation is Shehiyah because Shehiyah now extends the time of the prohibition for the entire wait time. And that overcomes the issue of Mechul al-Va'omed because we don't consider it Mechul al-Va'omed for that entire wait time. So that's why there is a concept of Shehiyah for a Nazir even though it's not necessary for the prohibition of a Nazir entering a Tameh place, he automatically violates that prohibition. But in the case where his entry is going to be undermined by Mechulal Omed, so part of a halachic entry is also the concept of Shehiyah, which extends the time period of the entry so that it's able to overcome the Mechulal Omed. So that explains very nicely why the Gemara extends the concept of Shehiyah even to An-Nazir, even though it's not necessary. Because that's one of the details in the overall halachic concept of what it means to enter and how the Mechul al-Va'omed and the Shehiyah play off of each other in different cases. So now this is going to explain very sharply and very beautifully the different places where the Gemara applies Shehiyah or not and how the Rambam codifies these halachas. In the Gemara in Shavuos, where the Nazir walks into the cemetery, so in order to obligate him for that entry, we need the concept of Shehiyah. So that's why the Gemara applies the concept of Shehiyah in that case. But as the Gemara in Nazir points out, if a regular guy is standing in a cemetery and chooses to become a Nazir at that moment, so there's absolutely no need for Shehiyah, because there's no mechulal va'omed whatsoever. At the exact moment when he becomes a Nazir, he also becomes fully Tameh. So since we don't need to overcome any limitations of mechulal va'omed, so the Gemara makes clear that the Shehiyah is totally irrelevant in that case. And the Rambam's distinctions also fit very nicely because the Rambam says that if a Nazir comes in in a Sheda Tevo Migdal in a box or a container or he goes into a house and after he enters the house, then someone dies in the house. So now there's a dead body in the house, but he was already in there. So the Rambam rules that the Nazir is obligated immediately, even if there was no Shahia, he didn't wait any amount of time. As opposed to in the case where the Nazir accidentally walks into a room with a dead body, there the Rambam says that there has to be Shehiyah for the proper amount of time before he's going to be obligated. So what's the difference between these two cases? Says Rab Chaim, based on his theory, it's going to fit very nicely because in the cases where the Nazir was already in the house and someone died or he went in in a box, so there there's no mechulal va'omed. At the same moment, his entire 
higher being becomes Tameh. So there we don't need the concept of Shehiyah because at the first moment when he becomes Tameh, he's immediately obligated because he's fully Tameh. There is no Mechulal Omeh. So since we don't need Shehiyah, he also doesn't need to wait any she or any minimum amount of time because the Nazir has no formulation for how to violate this prohibition. The second he becomes Tameh, he's already violated the prohibition and he gets punished. As opposed to in the case when he accidentally walked into the cemetery, so he's not going to get punished for the first moment. He's only going to get punished when he realized what he was doing and they warned him. So there we have the problem of Mechul Alva Omeid because from the first second he's already Tameh. So what does it matter that he lingered around there longer? So in order to resolve that, we need to apply Shehiyah since it was all part of the waiting. So that's all considered part of the timeline. It's not Mechul Alva Omeid. So so therefore, there's also a minimum shear in order to violate the prohibition in that case. So the distinction the Rambam draws reflects this concept that for a Nazir, we only apply the concept of Shehiyah, which by extension includes whether there's a minimum shear to violate this prohibition in a case where we need it to overcome an issue of Mechulal omeid. Otherwise, there is no Shehiyah and there's also no minimum shear. He violates the prohibition immediately. So now using this final point, that whether there's Shehiyah is the parallel question of whether there's a minimum shear to violate this prohibition. And in cases where we need to use Shehiyah, we also have a minimum shear in order to violate this prohibition. So now coming back to the whole distinction Rab Chaim made in the Rambam, he points out that this is going to fit beautifully because the original distinction was between the case of Nazir and the Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash. That in the case of the Beis HaMikdash, the Rambam said explicitly, that it always requires a shear in order to violate the prohibition. Now, says Rab Chaim, this makes perfect sense. Because since the whole prohibition of a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash is Derech Bia, it must have a proper entry in order to violate the rules of the Torah. So that by definition requires Shehiyah, otherwise there's going to be the problem of Mechul Alba Omeid. So since we have to come on to the idea of Shehiyah, that's also why there has to be a minimum shear because the two are in interconnected, as opposed to the case of the Nazir, where there are ways of violating the prohibition without a derech bia, even if there was no proper entry. So that's why there's also cases where we don't require a shahiyah. But the Rambam's overarching distinction between these two cases is very solid because it's all rooted in how the Torah formulated the prohibition. Since the prohibition of the Beis HaMikdash requires Derech Bia, so it follows that it requires Shehiyah, and therefore it always requires a Shear. On the other hand, the Nazir is more complicated. Some of the cases require Derech Bia, so then they would require Shehiyah, and then there would be a minimum Shear. But other cases can be violated however the Nazir ended up in the Tameh place. So that wouldn't require Shehiyah, and then there also wouldn't be a Shear to violate the prohibition. So that's Rab Chaim's approach in the Rambam. So now in the last long paragraph, Rab Chaim's going to add on to his analysis of the Rambam and Tosfos and how they read the various Gemaras. And that will further clarify the big machlokas that he's developing between their perspectives on this halacha. So Rab Chaim begins with a question and he says, why does the Gemara say that if a Tameh came into the Beis HaMikdash in a box or a container, then they're exempt because they didn't have a proper entry? When we've seen throughout this piece 
that it's clear in the Gemara that there's two ways to violate the prohibition of being Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash. Either a Tameh person entered the Beis HaMikdash with a proper entry, or if they were Tahor and they were already in the Beis HaMikdash and then they became Tameh, that's also a violation. And this is exactly parallel to the Tsara'as house, where either the person can enter with a proper entry, or even without a proper entry, if they're entirely in the house, then they also become Tameh. So the parallel is in the case of the Beis HaMikdash, either the Tameh person can have a proper entry, or if they don't have a proper entry, just being in the Beis HaMikdash Tameh is also a prohibition. So if so, why is the person who comes in in a box exempt? Once they're in the Beis HaMikdash and they're Tameh, then they should be punished for violating this prohibition. So Rab Chaim tries one solution, which is maybe what the Gemara means is that someone who comes in in a box is not immediately obligated, but if they linger for the wait time, for the minimum shear, then they would be obligated. So the Gemara doesn't mean to say that they're totally exempt, but it means that they have to wait, as opposed to someone who walks in normally, they don't have any wait time, they're immediately obligated. But Rab Chaim dismisses that idea because he says the Gemara has a question about whether a mazid, someone Tameh who intentionally walks into the Beis HaMikdash, needs to wait the minimum shear or not. So it's not even clear in the Gemara. So how could it be that the Gemara is learning out in this case that the person definitely doesn't get punished until they wait the minimum amount of time when it's totally not clear whether in the case of mazid there even is a minimum amount of time at all. So Rab Chaim dismisses that solution. Instead, he has another solution which he quotes from his best friend, Rab Simcha Zelig, who was the Dayan in Brisk, a very close colleague of Rab Chaim, and he's the only contemporary that Rab Chaim quotes in this Sefer. This is the second time he's quoted something in Rab Simcha Zelig's name. The first one was in Hilchus Tfilin, and now this is the second time that he's relaying a Dvar Torah of Rab Simcha Zelig. So Rab Simcha Zelig made a distinction between what percentage of the person went into the Beis HaMikdash. As we saw in the case of the Tsaras house, so there's two options. Either the person can go in properly and then they become Tameh even if only a majority of them goes in. They don't have to be 100% in the house. Or if they don't go in properly, they go in backwards, then they have to be 100% inside the house in order to become Tameh. So Rab Simcha Zelig applied the same framework to the case of a Tameh going into the Beis HaMikdash in a box. So if they had gone in in a normal way, then even a majority of them going in is enough to violate the prohibition. But since they went in in an unusual way, so they don't violate the prohibition until they fully go into the Beis HaMikdash. So that's what the Gemara means to say that a Tameh person who goes into the Beis HaMikdash in a box doesn't violate the prohibition until they're 100% in the Beis HaMikdash and then they would violate the prohibition. So that's Rab Simcha Zelig's solution to this problem. And Rab Chaim says that he's undoubtedly correct because the idea that the Gemara develops with regards to the Tsaras house, that there's two ways of becoming Tameh, either walking in normally, which does not require the person to be fully in there, or if there's no proper entry, then they need to be 100% in there. Says Rab Chaim, that's not a limited halacha only to the case of the Tsaras house. That's a much more expansive principle in all of halacha, that in cases where the Torah said that it requires an entry, so there are two forms of doing that. 
Either a person walks in the opening in a normal way, so that's one way of fulfilling the criteria of entering, or if the person does not enter in a normal way, so they go in backwards or they go in a box or they go in through the roof, whatever unusual way they enter, so once they're 100% inside, so that also meets the Torah's criteria for entering somewhere. So this is a general principle which can be applied to any halacha which requires someone to enter somewhere. Either they can walk in normally or they can be in the place 100% however they got in there. So Reb Simcha Zelig is therefore correct to apply this framework also to the issue of a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash, that again, either they can walk in normally, which would violate the prohibition, or by being in the Beis HaMikdash, however they got there, if 100% of them is in there, then they would also violate the prohibition. The only leniency in the Gemara is if they're not 100% inside, and they came in in an unusual way. And Rab Chaim brings a proof to his expansion of this idea that entry in Halacha means either walking in normally or being entirely in there, in all areas of halacha, it's not just limited to the Tsaras house from a Tosvos in Nazir Dafmem Gimel. Tosvos says that a Nazir who walks into a house with a dead person backwards is exempt. So just like the Gemara said that someone who walks backwards into a Tsaras house doesn't become Tame because they didn't have a proper entry. So Tosvos applies that same idea to the case of a Nazir that he's exempt if he walks in backwards. But Rab Chaim asks that a Nazir has no need for Derech Bia. The Gemara says explicitly that if a Nazir comes in in a box or a container, he still violates the prohibition. So there's no requirement for a proper entry for the Nazir to violate the prohibition of becoming Tameh. So what does it matter if he walks in backwards? Even though there was no proper entry, he should still be obligated. So Rab Chaim answers that Tosos is talking about where the Nazir didn't go fully in. He's not 100% inside. So that's why if he walks in backwards, it's not considered an entry. Even though a Nazir doesn't need a proper entry. So you see, like Rab Chaim's been saying, that even in cases in halacha where there is no requirement for a proper entry, however they end up where they are, they're going to be obligated. But there's still a requirement that they have to be 100% in there. Because in halacha, in all cases, this is not just limited to where the Gemara says it, but even in Nazir, where the Gemara never mentioned it, it's still assumed that for an unusual entry to be considered a valid entry, the person has to be completely in there. If even a little bit of them is outside, so then that's not considered entering in halacha. So that's why the Nazir, even though the Torah didn't describe it as derech bia, so he doesn't need a proper entry. Any entry is going to be good enough, but he does need to be in there, which means that if he comes in in an unusual way, he has to be 100% in that area. And Rab Chaim has a second proof also for his expansion of this idea to all areas of halacha. From the Gemara in Zvachim and Chavavam and Aleph, the Gemara quotes that Rabbi Yirmiya asked Rabbi Zeiro, Hu mahu. Let's say the Kohen who's slaughtering the sacrifice is standing in the Beis HaMikdash, but his tzitzis, which Rashi actually explains here, refers to his hair, not what we call tzitzis. So some of his hair is outside of the Beis HaMikdash. Is he eligible to do this service because he's not fully inside the Beis HaMikdash? So he answered him, When it comes to the sacrifice, so the Torah 
Gemara says vehevium that it has to be entirely inside the Beis Hamikdash. Hachanami so too with the Kohen who's bringing the sacrifice bevoam el ohel moed. It says that they have to come into the Beis Hamikdash ad shiyavokula ohel moed. So he has to be entirely in the Beis Hamikdash. So here the Gemara interprets the phrase of coming into the Beis Hamikdash as referring to being a hundred percent inside the Beis Hamikdash. So Rab Chaim asks. Doesn't this contradict what we said with regards to the Tsara'as house, where the Torah says habayis, that the person has to come into the house, so it uses that same phrase, entry into the house, but there the Medrash explains Kishi Kanes Rosh that it means a majority of him entered the house. So there we don't say that the word come into the house means entirely 100%, the opposite, it means a majority. So why are we interpreting this phrase in the Torah to come in somewhere in two different places? In the case of the Beis HaMikdash, it means 100% inside the Beis HaMikdash. But in the case of the Tsaras house, it means only a majority. So based on this idea that Rab Chaim's developing, that there's two forms of entry in Halacha, one is to walk in normally, and one is to be 100% inside. So he explains that that's the distinction between these cases. Because the concept of walking into the Beis HaMikdash to sacrifice something is meaningless. There's nothing special about the act of entering, walking into the Beis HaMikdash with regards to bringing the sacrifice. So when the Torah says entry in that context, it has to refer only to the other kind of entry, which is being 100% inside. So that's why the Gemara interprets the word bevo'achem in that context to mean that the Kohen has to be 100% in the Beis HaMikdash. He can't have any little bit of hair strands hanging outside. But in the case of the Tsaras house, where there is meaning to the act of walking into that house, so there the context leads the Gemara to interpret that word as referring to the act of entering the house. So the difference in how the Gemara interprets these two cases is contextual based on whether the act of walking in has any meaning in that area of halacha. So now that Rab Chaim's established firmly that there are two different meanings to the word entry in halacha, so now he asks the following question. In cases where the halacha insists that there has to be derech bia, so the whole halacha only applies if there's an entry, do we automatically apply this framework that there are two modes of entry to those cases? So we say that either walking in properly is an entry or without a proper entry, even being 100% in there is still considered to fulfill the criteria of entering. Or can we not automatically apply those two modes to those cases in halacha, because at the end of the day, even though the person is 100% inside, which is considered entering in halacha, as Rab Chaim shown, but still they're missing that moment, the act of entering. So maybe when the halacha insists on derech bia, that there has to be an entry, it's referring to that moment, there needs to be an actual act of entering the room, and it's not enough to be considered to have entered, unless there was that act of act actually entering. So in that case, when the Torah says derech bia, we can't include also cases where the person came in in an unusual way, even though they're now in there 100%, unless the Torah specifically included it. 
So we've had cases like the Tsaras house where the Torah specifically includes that an unusual entry where the person is now 100% of the way in there would be considered a proper entry for that halacha. But maybe that's limited only to those halachas where the Torah explicitly includes 100% being in there as a form of entry. Otherwise, we can't include that on our own. So again, Rab Chaim's shown a number of major ideas with regards to the Torah's definition of entry. The first is that a proper entry and an unusual entry are two different tracks in halacha. An unusual entry could work if the person is 100% in there now, but that's still a totally different track than a proper entry. Now, Rab Chaim's also shown that there are halachas where the Torah explicitly includes both of those cases as fulfilling the criteria for entry in that halacha. In addition, Rab Chaim's shown that the Torah always recognizes in all halachas, even where it doesn't say it explicitly, that those are the two forms of entry, either a proper entry or an unusual entry where the person is now 100% in there. So the final missing piece that Rab Chaim wants to understand is what about the cases where the Torah did not explicitly say that an unusual entry works? Can we apply the general model that an unusual entry with 100% of the person in there is considered a valid entry? Or is the Torah insisting on a proper entry in those cases and even being 100% of the way in there doesn't meet the criteria of entry in that halacha? So first, Rab Chaim begins with two proofs for the second position, that if the Torah doesn't explicitly say that an unusual entry works, then it's not going to work. The first is simple, from the Gemara in Shavuos with regards to the Tsaras house, where the Gemara needs a special Pasuk in order to teach us that an unusual entry where the person is 100% of the way in there becomes Tameh, because it's no different than vessels which were in the house from before the Tsaras. So there obviously was no entry, but since they're in the house, they become Tameh, so too with the person. But the fact that the Gemara needs an explicit Pasuk to teach us that means that it's not automatic. We can't just apply it on our own unless there's some source in the Torah to include an unusual entry in this halacha. So that indicates in other halachas where there's no source in the Torah that an unusual entry is valid. So then it's not a valid entry and we don't apply those halachas even if the person is now 100% in there. The second proof Rab Chaim has to this is from the Gemara in where the Gemara says, Abaya said a case, lo that blood of the sacrifices, which needs to be in the Beis HaMikdash, came into the Beis HaMikdash, but in an unusual way. So let's say it came in through the roof. So the Gemara says that Rava asked him, the Torah says that it has to come in, which indicates a proper entry. And in your case, it's missing a proper entry because it came in in an unusual way. So how is that blood now valid? So Rab Chaim says, you see that even though the blood is 100% in the Beis HaMikdash now, but since it had an improper entry, so then it would be disqualified. So again, this shows that we don't include an unusual entry in all cases, even though the person or the blood is now 100% inside. Only when the Torah explicitly includes that can we include it. But otherwise, we don't automatically include it 
even though the halacha does consider that a form of entry. So those are Rab Chaim's two proofs that on our own, in general, we don't include improper entries, even if it meets the criteria of entry, because when the Torah describes something as needing derech bia, that there has to be an entry, it refers only to a proper entry, and if the Torah wants to include an unusual entry, then it will do so explicitly. But, says Rab Chaim, that this is actually not so simple, because even though we have these two proofs for one side of the issue, but there actually seems to be a debate about this. The Gemara in Menachos Chavzayin Amud Beis learns out from the Pasuk El Pnei HaKapores that someone who enters the Beis HaMikdash, Derech Mishupash, so again, they come in in an unusual way, did not violate the prohibition of Biyarei Kanis. You're not allowed to walk into the Beis HaMikdash for no reason. But that's only if a person walked in in a normal way. If they walk in in an unusual way, so then they haven't violated that prohibition. So Tosfos there asks, why do we need a special Pasuk to exclude the case of an unusual entry from this prohibition when the Torah uses the language of lo yavo, that he shouldn't come in. And we just said from the Gemara in Zvachim that that always means a proper entry. So it's obvious from the language of the Torah that says lo yavo, that this prohibition can only be violated when there was a proper entry. Otherwise, the person hasn't violated the prohibition. So why do we need a special pasuk to come ahead and exclude the case of an unusual Unusual entry. So Tosvos answers that there's a difference between the two cases in the two different Gemaras. Zvachim is talking about bringing the blood in, so there it has to be a proper entry. But the case in Menachos is the person themselves walking into the Beis Mikdash, so there even an unusual entry is considered a form of entry. So there's a distinction between bringing an object in versus the person themselves entering. But Rab Chaim asks, how could Tosvos indicate that a person's unusual entry is always considered a valid entry when we've seen a number of explicit cases where the person's unusual entry is also not considered a valid entry? Like the Tsaras house or the Tameh entering the Beis HaMikdash. All of those cases are also talking about a person walking in and still we said that in order to meet the criteria of derech bia, it has to be a proper entry. An unusual entry does not meet that criteria. So how could Tosos and Menachos imply that a person's unusual entry always meets the criteria of derech bia? So Rab Chaim explains that what Tosfos means is that in fact an unusual entry if the person or the object is now 100% in there, is always considered in halacha a proper entry. So in any case where we're discussing a person walking in somewhere, even if they walk in in an unusual way, so long as they're now 100% in there, that meets the criteria of derech bia. That is what Tosvos holds against what Rab Chaim's been saying up until now. So that explains why Tosos' assumption is that a person walking in somewhere is always going to meet the criteria of derech bia, and that's why the Gemara in Menachos needs to exclude even an unusual entry from the prohibition of bia reikanis. Now the distinction that Tosos makes in the case of the blood is because the blood doesn't enter anywhere. Blood doesn't walk in somewhere on its own. It has to be brought in by a person. So the halacha of the Torah of hava, that the blood has to be brought in, means that a person has to import the blood in a normal way. But if the blood manages to just get in there somehow, like for example, the Gemara in Zvachim Tzadibes has a case where an animal was flailing around after it was killed and it 
flailed by accident into the Beis HaMikdash. So the blood ended up in the Beis HaMikdash, but it wasn't brought into the Beis HaMikdash. So that blood is valid, even though it came in in a very unusual way, because we see when it comes internally to the blood, we don't care how the blood got in there. There is no special halacha that the blood has to walk in in a proper way. The only halacha is that if the blood is not getting in there on its own, a person is bringing it in there, so then that person has to carry it in in a proper way. So that's a subtle distinction between these two cases. The case of the blood is not the entry. It's not the walking in there. It's being brought in there. So when it comes to walking in somewhere, there we say that any entry, even an unusual one, is valid so long as the person is now 100% in there. And if they walk in in a normal way, then it could be a majority of them in there. But when it comes to the special concept of blood, that it has to be brought into the Beis HaMikdash, so there the Gemara says that it does have to come in in a normal way. An unusual being brought in is not going to meet that criteria. So that's how Rab Chaim explains Tosus's distinction between the case of the person walking in versus the blood being brought in. But the upshot of this is that for Tosfos, any walking in, even an unusual walking in, is always valid under halacha, even if the Torah describes it as bivoachem or derech bia, even when the Torah explicitly says that you need an entry, if a person goes in in an unusual way, but is now 100% of the way in there, so that meets the criteria of derech bia. But even within Tosvos, this is more complicated, because this whole explanation is the last approach of that Tosvos. But there are other answers in that Tosvos. And they interpret the Gemara's exclusion of Derech Meshupash differently that it doesn't refer to an unusual entry. It's actually talking about a proper entry and there the Gemara is excluding something. So according to those answers in Tosvos, this whole issue is going to play out totally differently. And in fact, an improper entry is not considered an entry under halacha unless the Torah explicitly includes it. But generally, where the Torah requires a derech bia, it only refers to a proper entry, as Rab Chaim said before, based on the Gemara in Shavuos and the Gemara in Zvachim. So it seems like this is going to be a debate between the various approaches within Tosvos in Menachos, whether in all halachas we assume that an improper entry, but the person is now 100% in there, meets the criteria of derech bia or not. And now Rab Chaim concludes with his final very brilliant step, which ties together the issue that he raised in this Tosfos with the whole approach he's been developing and all the ideas that he's explained with regards to what entry means in halacha. Now again, Rab Chaim's major idea in this piece is that there's a fundamental distinction between the case of the Nazir versus the Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash. That the concept of Shehiyah, that whole idea that there's a wait time and that there's a minimum shear only applies to the prohibition of a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash because because that requires derech bia. So when the Torah formulated the prohibition as requiring a proper entry, there we apply the idea of a wait time. As opposed to the case of a Nazir, where it doesn't matter how he got in there, so it's also irrelevant, the wait time and the minimum shear, except for those cases where we do need to apply that to a Nazir, as Rab Chaim explained earlier. But this whole distinction is based on the idea 
that an unusual entry is not considered a proper entry under halacha. So the whole distinction hinges on the issue that Rab Chaim's now raised within Tosfos. Does an unusual entry where the person is now 100% in there meet the criteria of the Torah's formulation of Derech Bia or not? So Rab Chaim goes through it. If we accept the position of Tosfos, that an unusual entry does meet the criteria for Derech Bia, then there is no distinction between the case of the Nazir and the Beis HaMikdash. Because even if someone enters the Beis HaMikdash in an unusual way, once they're 100% in there, that meets the criteria of Derech Bia. So there should be no need to apply the concept of Shehia or to have a minimum shear of a wait time. That should all fall by the wayside because this person violated the prohibition through Derech Bia, even though it was an unusual entry. But as we said, according to Tosfos, being fully in a place meets the criteria of Derech Bia. So according to that, the case of the Nazir and the case of the Beis HaMikdash are exact parallels. And just like there's no wait time or minimum shear when it comes to a Nazir, then we also don't need that in the case of the Beis HaMikdash. So if so, then we have to ask, why does the Gemara treat these two cases differently? In the case of the Nazir, it says that there is no minimum shear. In the case of the Beis HaMikdash, it says that there is a minimum shear. So the answer is, like Tosvo said, a technical one. That there's a distinction between the two cases. In the case of the Nazir, they warned him before he became a Nazir. In the case of the Beis HaMikdash, they warned him after he already became Tameh. So that's why there's a distinction about whether those cases require a wait time in order to punish the person. But that's just a technical distinction between the two cases in the Gemara. On a theoretical level, the two prohibitions are exactly parallel because if the Nazir had been warned after he already became Tameh, then he would have a wait time. And if in the case of the Beis HaMikdash, he was warned before he became Tameh, then there would be no wait time. So the two prohibitions are exactly parallel in the sense that in all cases they function the same, but the Gemaras are not parallel because they're discussing subtly different cases. So that's how it's going to play out according to the view that an unusual entry meets the criteria of Derech Bia. But if we follow the other approach, that when the Torah says Derech Bia, it has to be a proper entry, but an unusual entry, even if the person is fully in there, doesn't meet that criteria. So then this whole issue is going to play out differently because then there is a fundamental difference between the two prohibitions. A Nazir does not require Derech Bia. So that's why he has no need for a wait time or a minimum shear because however he ends up in the Tameh place, he's violated the prohibition. There's no need to meet the criteria of Derech Bia because the Torah never said that. So whether he goes in properly or unusually is all going to be the same. As opposed to the Tameh and the Beis HaMikdash where the Torah does formulate it as Derech Bia. So there it has to be a proper entry. If it's an unusual entry, so as Rab Chaim explained, that's also included by the Gemara, but that's a totally different track. So in the case where the person was already in the Beis HaMikdash and then became Tameh, so they didn't have an entry, there the Halacha is formulated that they are going to violate the prohibition, but only if they had the wait time and the minimum shear. So precisely because of this point that an unusual entry does not meet the halachic criteria of derech bia, that's why we're able to draw a distinction between the case of the Nazir and the Beis HaMikdash because they're fully
formulated differently. The Torah insists on Derech Bia with regards to the prohibition of the Beis HaMikdash. So there we have two different tracks. If there's a proper entry, then the person violates the prohibition immediately. But if there was no entry, then the way the Torah described that track is that it requires a minimum shear for the person to violate the prohibition. So the whole issue of whether there's a fundamental distinction between the Nazir and the case of the Beis HaMikdash all hinges on whether an unusual entry is considered the same as Derech Bia or it's a separate track for violating the prohibition. Says Rab Chaim, that's exactly the debate between Tosvos and Shvuos and the Rambam. Tosvos and Shvuos follows the last approach of Tosvos and Menachos, which means that even an unusual entry is considered derech bia. It's all the same track. So therefore, Toso says there can't be a fundamental distinction between the prohibition of the Nazir and the prohibition of the Beis HaMikdash. So the only distinction between the Gemara in Shavuos and the Gemara in Nazir must be when the person was warned. On the other hand, the Rambam holds like the other answers in Tosvos that there is a key distinction between an unusual entry and a proper entry. And an unusual entry, even though the person's fully in there, does not meet the criteria of Derech Bia. So those are two separate tracks which the Torah included in the prohibition of a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash. Either a proper entry or the other track which works differently is an improper entry and the person is fully in there. But that means that it's totally different than the prohibition of the Nazir, where there is no criteria that it has to be derech bia. So that's why the Nazir has no concept whatsoever of a minimum wait time, because the whole concept of shahia and a minimum shiur only apply to the case where there was an unusual entry. So that's how the Torah described that process of the violation. But in the case of the Nazir, where it doesn't matter at all how he got in there, so likewise, there's no minimum shiur or wait time, because it's totally irrelevant. Again, with exceptions for those cases where it's needed to resolve the Mechul al omed as Rab Chaim explained earlier. But this is going to explain the Rambam's key distinction that we don't apply the minimum shear or the wait time to the case of Nazir because it's totally irrelevant because there is no criteria of derech bia. So it turns out that Tosfos and the Rambam's debate boils down to the issue of whether an unusual entry meets the criteria of derech bia or it's considered a separate process in halacha. And Rab Chaim ends the last few lines with a great support to his interpretation of the Rambam from the Rimigash, who was a Rebbe of the Rambam's father, and the Rambam had enormous respect for the Rimigash. So very often the Rambam's halachas or his interpretations of the Gemaras will follow in the traditions of the Rimigash. Now the Rambam wrote a halacha sefer, but he never wrote a commentary on the Gemara, so sometimes it's hard to figure out how he interpreted the Gemara's from which he extracted his halachas. On the other hand, the Rimigash did write a commentary on the Gemara. We don't have much of it, but the pieces we do have sometimes help shed light on the interpretations of the Gemara, which the Rambam would have known and grown up with. So that's why Rab Chaim is now turning to how the Rimigash interpreted these halachas. It's not just a random Rishon who agrees with the Rambam, but it's someone who really sheds light on how the Rambam would have interpreted these Gemaras. So the Rimigash comments that in the case 
case of someone who enters a tsara'as house, that if he enters properly, so that we learn out from the haba el habayis, the Torah says that anyone who comes into the house becomes tameh. So the case of proper entry is derived from that pasuk. But if he enters improperly, even though he's fully inside now, so the Gemara explicitly said that he becomes tameh, but the Rimigash said we don't learn it out from that first pasuk, we learn it out from a totally different pasuk of the lo yitame kol asher babayis, that anything which is in the house becomes tameh. So you see that the Rimigash is drawing a fundamental distinction between these two cases, whether the person walked in properly or if they walked in unusually, they're now fully in there. According to the Rimigash, this is not just two sides of the same coin. It's not two aspects of the same halacha, but it's two different tracks that a person becomes Tameh in a Tzara'as house. So says Rab Chaim, that is very much in line with how he's been interpreting the Rambam, that a proper entry and an improper entry are not two aspects of the same halacha, but they're two totally different tracks. So that's now supported by the fact that the Rimigash says a similar idea. So that's Rab Chaim's interpretation of the Rambam. This has been a very long piece. So a big yashar koach to anyone who's still with us. I'll end by summarizing some of the major points within this piece. Rab Chaim has a major distinction between the prohibition of a Nazir becoming Tameh versus a Tameh in the Beis HaMikdash. That when it comes to a Nazir, there's no criteria of Derech Bia. However, he gets into the Tameh place is a violation. As opposed to the Mikdash, where there's two tracks. One is to go in the proper way, and the other is an unusual entry, but if the person is 100% in there, so then that's also a violation. And Rab Chaim adds that the whole issue of whether there's a minimum shear of wait time which is necessary before the violation depends on this issue because wherever the prohibition is violated simply by walking in there, then there's no minimum shear. It's only when the Torah creates another track which is not dependent on the act of walking in there, but on the being in there. So that's when we apply a minimum shear. Reb Chaim's second major idea is that Tosvo says that the concept of shehiyah, that the wait time adds tumah, is equivalent to the idea of mechul al that someone who's already tameh can't become more tameh. So Tosvos doesn't see a distinction between those two concepts. Within the Rambam, Reb Chaim argues that there's a key distinction. Mechul al means that once the person is already tameh, so additional tuma is not going to affect their status. But the concept of shehiyah is built into the very prohibition to begin with, that the tuma is not completed until they've had that wait time. So we don't say that each additional moment is adding tuma, but rather the whole wait time is built into the very prohibition itself. So there would be a key distinction between the concept of shehiyah versus mechul al-va'omeid. And Rab Chaim's third major idea is that there's a debate between the Rambam and Tosfos, given that there are two tracks of entry in Halacha, either a proper entry or being 100% in the place. So Tosfos understands that these are effectively the same track. Once the Torah said that being 100% in a place is considered entry, so that's the equivalent of properly walking in somewhere. The Rambam, on the other hand, disagrees and holds that even though the Halacha includes both of those cases under the category of an entry, but they're still considered two different tracks, we don't automatically include being fully in a place in the halachic concept of derech bia, and if the Torah requires an entry, then we're not going to include the case of an unusual entry unless the Torah explicitly did so.